My name is Amanda Van Annen. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Join me and my co-hosts, Betsy Zane and Sophia Brad, as we pierce beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. Highs and lows of fashion to the challenges of motherhood, the traumas of life, heartbreak of relationships gone wrong, and how to find purpose and discover your true, authentic self. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Today on the show, I've got Aubrey Nichols. Aubrey's intention is to illuminate the darkness so that others may live in the light in everything she does. Aubrey Nichols is a proud Texan who for 16 years has found comfort in the grit of New York City. Aubrey has written articles for The Week, Elite Daily, and Observer, and is a resonant voice in the self-love movement, which she believes is the ultimate love story. She's been called a dot connector, inspirer, and champion of creativity. After 10 years in New York City ad agencies and earning a master's degree in organizational change, she focuses on nurturing creative culture and process. Her proprietary workshop, Stoked, helps teams get unstuck and ignites breakthrough thinking. As a brand strategist, her approach is founded in the belief that creativity and effectiveness can coexist. She earned an Effie for her work on the Saab Born from Jets campaign. As a researcher, she uncovers insights by asking good questions, listening for the unspoken, and talking to respondents as dear friends. She's working on her first memoir, Enough, that will inspire women to reclaim their power and cultivate a loving relationship with themselves. Spreading the message of self-love is her mission. Aubrey, welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Thank you. So I'm so happy to be here. It's an, an honor. Oh, I'm really? so happy. Really? Yeah, I'm you so just read. Yeah, you just <laughs> read that bio. I was like, wow, that woman sounds amazing. I was like, did I do those things? <laughs> Because I am a writer. I did write those words. You did, yeah. And they sound amazing. I mean, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I I really want to get into a lot with you because what I've realized you've done with your life is you've taken all the bits of your life and you've put it together and you've created a brand for yourself that is inspiring other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about inspiration, there's so many women, let's talk about women here in the world, that, you know, feel like they have something to give, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to put it together, mm-hmm. how to connect the dots. So I'd like you to tell us a bit about your journey. Well, I always like to say it started at six years old. I was walking into the kindergarten bathroom and something, I looked down in my thighs and I thought that they were just too big. So I was a kindergartner and it was just, I had always heard voices in the back of my head said like, you can do better. You're not good. And I think I started to really shut them down at a very young age. And I did that with eating disorders. So dancing with like anorexia and bulimia, shuffling carbs around the plate. Then I sort of switched tracks to drugs and alcohol. Then I jumped again to unavailable men, you know, always trying to like fill my insides this hole that I had in my heart and in my soul with outside things. And really, I mean, that's just an impossibility. 
it can never happen. So the last straw for me was at 35, walking down the aisle to a man thinking that I could hand over my emptiness to him, that I would finally be enough. You know, three years into the marriage, I had a big home in the Berkshires. I had an amazing loft in Soho. He owned an art gallery on the Bowery. I mean, the bags, the pink diamonds I was dripping in. He was like, we should wear both your rings out. I'm like, anyway, I was the most miserable version of myself, unrecognizable, a shell. And it was just one day walking into an Equinox workout Equinox gym, diverting from my seven a mile a day masochistic treadmill routine and say, you know what? I'm tired. I just can't do it. I mean, I was like skin and bones. I like went into this dance studio thinking, okay, this is not even going to be a workout because I can't calculate how many calories I'm burning. And I heard in the song that we were learning the choreography to was, this Rachel Platten's fight song. This is my life song. I take back my, this is my fight song. I take back my life song. And I nestled myself in the back of the studio, pulled my hat down low, was surrounded by all these amazing, happy people. And I just cried the entire time. And that was really my breaking point. And when I decided to turn my life around and said, enough, I am enough. And from there, I reinvented myself from the inside out. Okay. I like that story. I particularly like the part of reinventing yourself. And I also really admire your bravery, you know, because to the outside world, it seems like you had everything, Mm -hmm. you know, everything we aspire for. I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily right, but that's what a lot of, like most people aspire for. They aspire for the lifestyle, the jewelry, the affluence. And in the middle of all that, you had a moment where you realized I'm not happy, but you were brave enough to take that journey where others aren't. Now, can you talk to me a bit about how you reinvented yourself, took yourself from there to here? Because now you're this motivational speaker, you're writing a book, you're going around inspiring others. And how you, you know, the process of actually just packaging yourself into this being. I was able to pieced together a semblance of a career in advertising where I did build brands. So the way that I've always looked at myself is sort of like as a brand. It wasn't in the beginning. In the beginning, I just turned to Instagram and turned to iPhone, my iPhone to like, to chronicle my self-love journey and what I was going through. And I think because I vulnerability is hands down, my superpower. So I was able to really share and say the things the other people were feeling, but couldn't say themselves. And um, I, while I was sharing so vulnerably through my process, through my divorce, through my self-love, through the first time I started eating breakfast for selling my big diamond on the, in the, to a Hasidic Jew, to like, you know, to taking the money out of the deposit safety deposit box, to dating for the first time, to getting nervous about eating and dating and, you know, and all of the things, I was able to bring my audience along through my journey. And I think that's a big part of it. If you're out there and you're listening and you're trying to think about like telling a story or weaving a narrative, just start today. Start with where you are. Start with, hey, guess what? I have a story to tell and I don't know how to tell it. But I know that I feel like I 
called to say something, to be seen, to be heard. So I'm just going to start right now and figure it out because that's what I did. I started posting on Instagram and it was only through posting work stuff, dating stuff, workout stuff, self-love day that I figured out that really I'm a self-love girl. That's what people want from me because I had a lifetime of self-hate, like not self-hate, like self-disgust. So like for me to be able to say, guess what? I fell in love with my toes today. It's amazing. You know, to share that process was the big part of, I think, where I am today. That's on the brand building perspective. I can talk Mm -hmm. to you about what I did to actually fall in love and cultivate a loving relationship with myself. That's exactly what I wanted to ask. Because one thing you talked about was about the vulnerability mm-hmm. and how you use vulnerability as a form of storytelling. Mm. Now, when people are in a vulnerable place, usually it's scary. Very, very scary. I think that's one of the reasons why people love watching other people's stories mm. because they connect. You see, they see that vulnerability and they connect, but it's something a lot of us hide mm. and we kind of bottle up. And it's very difficult to let out. So, yeah, you could tell us a bit more about how you, you know, you've told us about the branding, about how you kind of, I wouldn't say the word overcome, but how you decided to use vulnerability and let it all out without stopping yourself kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think while you were just saying that, it brings tears to my eyes because I think I'm in my family of origins house right now. We're in COVID. It's in Texas. I came home and. The thing is, it's a role that I always played in life. And the way that I got love was by breaking down and by crying and being small and being sick and being suffered. So that's when my parents swooped in and loved me. So that was my calling card in life. What I had to learn is to use that vulnerability, not in the victim sense, and I'm still learning, but how to use that vulnerability to bring people together, to connect with others, to make people feel less alone from an empowered place of guess what? This is how I feel. I've been like picking my face in COVID like no other, or, you know, getting on the scale more, more than I have, you know, in a really long time. So to be really honest and forthright about what those things are. And I mean, honestly, Amanda, the, the gifts are so huge on the other side. The messages that I get of like, Oh, me too. Thank you for sharing. So it's not only me sharing, then I inspire this other person to go share their stuff. And they they say we're only as sick as our secrets. So when we share our secrets, not only do they lose the energy of secrecy, they become smaller, and but they help others. I totally agree with you on that. I totally agree. And I think there's so many people out there that have a story to tell. They have a story to tell. They want to tell that story, but they don't know. They're scared of that telling that Mm -hmm. story, you know, because they feel like they're going to get judged or people are not going to like them. And a lot of times I feel like once you tell the story, most people, it actually hits home, it hits their heart. And some might judge you, but you'll be surprised that not many people will. Because you're just telling your truth. Yeah. Those that do probably are not in touch with themselves. That's why they're judging you because 
they don't want to accept things about themselves. So, I mean, I commend you, first of all, for using your vulnerability to help change the world. Now, I know you do a lot of consulting with companies and storytelling and writing. In a company scenario, if you were called into like office scenario to come and spend a day with employees, what would you be looking for and what approach would you take to that? Well, I mean, the thing is, is as I get older, I I really try to like lessen the lines between who I am and my personal life and who I am and my professional life. And I try to do only the things that I can do. So, I mean, the way I use my vulnerability or what I do in, in the professional sense, I still try to illuminate the darkness, you know, so others may live in the light. I guess I just do it. You know, I have credentials, a master, master's degree in organizational change and leadership development. I also have like 10 almost 15 years experience in the industry in creative organization. So I really lean on those credentials to get me in the door. But when I'm in the door, I really try to like state the obvious and just stay in the present and just really call it like I see it. And either there's companies that can swallow that and there's companies that won't want to swallow that. And so what I'm working on right now is actually very true to who I am and true to what my experience is and actually what I can deliver on. But I'm taking stoked into organizations and we're tackling creativity during crisis. So how, how to help the creatives and creative people endure the crisis of COVID and social uprising, Black Lives Matter. So, you know, how to channel and talk about and process all of this trauma, collective trauma that we're all going through currently so they can move through to bigger and better things and create. So they can create space for those creative ideas, Mm -hmm. not $25 ideas, million dollar ideas, you know, because that's what the companies want from them. And that's actually something that I can speak to because I'm a writer. Yeah, I really, really see that. But I also wanted to ask you, at being a writer, I know you were one of the 12 contributors for a book on essays edited by the New York Times bestselling author, Anna David. Could you tell me about that essay? I tried to find it online. I couldn't find it. Oh, um, sure. That was one of my favorite essays. It was titled, well, um, Why Smoothies Are Keeping Me Single. <laughs> and it was literally just a story. It's actually one of my favorite essays that I've written of how I was obsessed with my my Vitamix smoothie regimen of making it, I would go home and I would eat it for dinner and all the frozen fruit and all the stuff. And it was so obsessive that when I started, finally started to get it in the dating world, people would ask me to go out for dinner and I would say no, because I was really still having a love affair with food, which was an eating disorder, which was blocking me for my greatness and blocking me from the one So I really had to get honest with my addiction to the smoothies because it was like really blocking me from the love that I say that I wanted. That sounds like a really interesting, (laughs) a really interesting analogy or an essay, right? It's an essay, but it's an analogy. I mean, and it's, you mentioned something there because you picked on the fact that the smoothie was blocking you from the love that you wanted because you're not going on these dinners and you're not taking action 
yeah. in order to get the love that you want. Sometimes in life, I feel like most of the time we block ourselves from the exact thing we want because of the messages and the voices in our head. The messages, yes. you know, we tell ourselves and the voices that are looming in our head. Now, how would you advise people to deal with that? You know, because something that's very interesting is this whole journey of finding self-love, loving yourself to the state where you are so comfortable with yourself and then allowing everything else to come. That's a really good place to be, but it's also a very, very challenging place for a lot of people to get to. Yeah, I mean, I would say like it definitely is not even self-love or self-like that comes first. It's self-acceptance. I mean, at least for my journey, I can talk to you about like sort of brass tacks, tactical stuff. I mean, I did a lot of work. I journaled every morning. I wrote down everything that I was thinking. For me, it was a process of separating myself from the thoughts that I was thinking and realizing that I had power to change the narrative, that the thoughts I was thinking were creating an emotion that was creating a behavior that wasn't conducive or positive. Because I think that that's really important. People, you know, today, especially right now in COVID, like lately, I've been waking up like, oh, no, Ugh, I'm so depressed. I'm so tired. I'm so this. I'm like, no, I'm not. Those thoughts aren't getting me any good places, you know, and it's only until I start to analyze and like take a magnifying mirror to the thoughts that I'm thinking that I can figure out why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. So that was really huge. Journaling, write it down. You are not your thoughts. You change the narrative if you don't like the way you're feeling. Secondly, I did affirmations paired with movement. So I did this like high impact cardio class called Intensati with crazy affirmations. Like I am powerful beyond measure. I am stronger than I think. I am braver than I seem. I am blessed with all I need. So all of that, which is crazy, but helped me rewire some of the negative thinking. And then lastly, most important was meditation. And for me, I downloaded Insight Timer. It's a free app. There's other ones, Headspace. And I got quiet with my own thoughts and was able to watch them come and go with and without judgment. But that's something I've been, I meditate at least two times a day, if not more. And since 2015, it's been a daily practice. And how long do you meditate for? I would say probably like 15 to 20 minutes at a clip. Lately, I've been incorporating a new breathwork practice, and it's like a tantric practice, but it's definitely more of an hour type thing. But the meditation, usually I like to get my body activated, so that's breath, movement, dance, mini trampoline, Beyonce, whatever it is, and then get quiet. I don't want the need to awaken the body so I can actually hear. The meditation thing is um, very interesting because even I meditate and it seems like everyone who's doing some sort of spiritual practice or finding themselves or discovering themselves or finding balance in what they do all do some sort of meditation, you know? Oh, yeah. And one thing I noticed from what you were talking about, you were talking about rewiring your thoughts, mm -hmm. reframing the actions you take, and then meditating, which is connecting to yourself. Yeah. Now, in particular, as concerns women, because I wanted to talk about this, 
I feel like at the moment in society, there's a lot changing for us, you know, as in not only is, is the whole Me Too thing going on and, you know, it's the first time in, I think, history of the world where women have so much freedom, mm. at least here in the West, you know, right. where we have so much freedom to make our choices, to make, and as good as that is, it's also really challenging for a lot of women mm-hmm. because we also have things like the gender roles where people think, oh yeah, but you know, she's got to be married at this age because if she's not married, then she's a failure. Oh, you've got no children. You're about 40 years old. What? You know, you're never going to have children. Oh, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And the pressure is still there. Mm. As much as we may say, like the pressure is not there. There's the aging pressure. There's the you don't have a baby pressure. There's the you can't find love pressure. And I feel like these days the pressure is actually less on men. And a mm. lot of it lies on women. Yeah. How would you advise women to deal with this? Well, I think that it's kind of interesting. It's something that I was like talking with my coach about yesterday. Um, and I think it's like this shame, right? And the shame that comes up and I don't know if you guys are listening, if you can think about a time when you're feeling icky or bad about yourself, or maybe you're not, how do, how do you feel when you're scrolling Facebook? At least for me, I don't usually feel like a winner. I'm like comparing myself to like my same, the same, the people I graduated with who have like 12 kids and I have zero. And, you know, it's like when my body feels contracted and I feel shrunk and blah, And it's like, okay, what is making me feel this way? You know, I have to evaluate it. Okay, I'm scrolling on Facebook. For some reason, I'm feeling ashamed because I am subscribing to the story that I am nothing unless I have kids and a husband. And I can choose to subscribe to that story and feel bad or not. I can choose to say, oh my gosh, I had like an amazing career in New York City. Now I live in LA. I get to sleep nine to 10 hours a night. (laughs) And I have a wonderful, super amazing, successful career. And I have a rich spiritual life, you know, so I can choose to do the compare and despair. But especially right now, it's like, I do love myself and I don't want to feel bad. So if I'm feeling bad or contracted, I want to identify like why I'm feeling that way, you know, and just diffuse it just get curious about it, you know, and ask yourself, well, you know, is it true? Does it make me feel good? And if not, again, like, can you reframe? I love that word you use, reframe the way that you're looking at Facebook or you're looking at your fellow graduates, your peers with families. Maybe you can say like, wow, they look really tired. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. They look really tired. That's a good one. I love it. I love it. They look really tired. I mean, you're so right. Because also, you know, as you know, I think Facebook's a bit better, but Instagram's even worse. I know. Yeah. It's like everyone literally now just creates our image just for Instagram. You know, it's like the shot is all. Yeah. And it's actually, I, and that's another thing I was talking about yesterday. So as a self-love advocate and someone whose voice is raw, real, tell it like it is, do I have to like sit on my bed and squeeze my tummy rolls to, is that going to be my next shot? 
Because really, no, I like to, I do want to have a good shot. I want to have a nice grid, you know? Okay. So does that mean I still get the shot and then I get more raw and real on stories? Okay. You know, I mean, I think the solution for me is what I came to is get more honest with, Hey followers, I want to engage with you more and on a real level. And I got to be honest, my shots are still going to be really good. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm still going to get, I'm still going to go for that one shot. But I want to try to engage with you on some deeper emotional levels. And so how can I do that? Like, let's start the conversation, you know? But your shots, even though they're really good, are still kind of inspirational and fun and, you know, just lovely. And also I feel like, and also because you have little quotes here and there, people get to know who you are. So it's very different from someone who's just got flashy cars, big mansions, lots of jewelry. And... They don't even own any of those things in real life. And people do go on their social media and get depressed. Yeah. You know, people feel like, oh, my God, my life's nothing like that. And I don't have that. So I must be doing something wrong. And every show we do, because it's a self-help show, we talk about social media all the time. Mm, Yeah. And the effect it has on people. You really have to discipline yourself. Like I literally go on social media either to post something or just, you know, do some ads or whatever, but I'm off it. I try not to go too much into people's grids and stuff because even I get, you know. Yeah. I would say the only way that I find to discipline myself, well, number one, it's a dopamine thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's all dopamine related. And number two is I usually have to like, I like to do digital detox weekends where I just, Mm -hmm. I delete Instagram, post a photo and then delete it again and then be done with it. Cause I really do want to still like, you know, communicate with my audience, but I also need to give myself a break. And it is a drug like effect. I feel diseased. I feel like (laughs) I feel uncomfortable, you know, um, when I'm looking like on Facebook, la, 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 la. and then you add the online dating apps into it. It's a whole nother dopamine thing. Let's not even talk about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, and then I'm buzzing. And then, you know, as a creative person, that's absolutely detrimental to my process. You brought up an interesting topic. <laughs> so I'd like to veer into that. And I think you know what it is, online dating. Oh, wow. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Because that's another thing. You know, I have a lot of girlfriends, a lot of friends of mine that are like, I can't find a guy, I'm go- especially in LA. Yeah, yeah. You know, where they're all on these apps, they're dating these guys. These guys are dating more girls. And nobody ever kind of says, okay, I found this person and let's give it a shot. You know, everybody keeps on dating and dating and dating. It becomes this endless thing of dating. Yeah. What advice would you have in regards to relationships out there for women? So it's a very live topic for me, right? And the reason why is because I have been lying about my age on online dating apps. So I've gone, so I'm 43 and I've gone to Facebook and I jiggered it to where I'm 39 or maybe 38. I don't even know. Anyway, so I've been, I talked to this guy and he was a really nice guy and we were in LA, he was in LA as like a TV writer or whatever. And he said, you know, I'm 43, you know, I'm, I sleep later these days. And I'm like, oh yeah, me too. And 
it was so great, but also painful because he just said, guess what? I don't like the fact that you're not the only person who does it, that you have sort of started out this relationship on an untruth because it makes me wonder why you did that. And also, I really want kids. So I know that if you're 43, there's like less years to try to have kids. And it was really, I don't know if it hurt me because I didn't really know him, but it really, it forced me to go back and change my age on Facebook because I am a high vibing, honest, straightforward woman. And I want to be, so if you're out there and you're dating, I think you got to be really clear with what you're looking for. So I appreciate that guy that said, guess what? I want kids. You're too old. So I can't talk to you anymore. Right. And I also want to be dating with the fact of like, Hey, I'm 43. I want kids. We don't got time. So let's meet tomorrow. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I think it's really important that you're clear with who you are and what you're looking for. Because I have to say, like, I want a long-term relationship. I'm looking for my ride or die, a spiritual, emotional, and physical connection. I can't have two. I can't have one. I have to have the trifecta. And if people aren't down with that, they want to be text buddies. I just can't roll. And I too have to take inspiration from that guy who dissed me and called me out. And I have to say no. Oh, you're a smoker? No, no. You're an atheist? Can't do atheist. You know, (laughs) you don't want to have kids? Can't do that either. Yeah, I agree with you on that with the online dating thing because I think it's very important to be very specific. Yeah. You have to be specific what you're looking for. It's like a shop. (laughs) And Yeah, and you have to tell the universe, you have to take actions that align with your vision. So you can't just date the divorce guy if you don't want to date a divorce guy. That's what I tell. I have a friend of mine who's going through that. And I'm like, but you just keep on going through all these guys. And I know you as a friend. That's not what you want. So I don't understand why you're even going on dates with them. Yeah. That's what I tell her all the time. I'm like, why are you even going on dates? That's not what you want. Yeah. Like, at least with the kids, for me, I will date someone with kids. But if they're not willing to integrate if they are going to keep the kids separate for a long time, I'm like, I'm not doing that. Exactly. So you, know yeah, just, you have to really practice. And also the thing I always say to all women out there is there is somebody for everybody. Mm, good. Thank you. I That's need to hear that. Yeah, the more specific <laughs> you are, the quicker you're going to meet them. That's true. That yeah, is you, very true. Yeah. Because I'm like, I said to my friend, because um, I have a friend who is very traditional. She wants a guy that, you know, probably will give her the life you used to have, you know? And I said to her, listen, if that's what you want, there's nothing wrong, but be specific. I'm like, you're not putting it on your profile. I said, just be specific. I said, you may not, you may not get every day, you know, like some people may not hit you up every day, but when they do, they know what to expect. Well, and two, if you want to even go deeper, like on a spiritual level, I was listening to, I was watching some videos last night So when calling in the one, when manifesting the love of your life, your spiritual partner, you really want to think about what do you want to call in? Oh, I want someone with money. I want someone with who's like creatively expressed. Oh, guess what? I need to start providing that for myself right now because I need to start healing myself in those areas, areas and giving that to myself. Because I can't just expect for someone else to give it to myself. 
And so that's really, really important. I kind of got the message and I'm like working like a maniac because I'm like, I need to get my palace set up. I need to get a bunch of business coming in. I need to be working probably two thirds of the month. The rest of the month, I'm sort of staring at the ocean and writing and I need to get my stuff out of storage and in my own apartment. <laughs> I agree with you. And you know, yeah. the thing about it a lot of times is you made a really clear point because there I feel like the pressure is on women again, because most of my friends, they go on dates and they're always, a lot of women have this thing where the guy is the savior. Mm, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily financial, but it's almost like he has to be the one, he has to want them. Mm -hmm. He has to be the savior. They have to find a successful blah, 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 blah guy. And you're right. They never think of, why don't I become successful? Why don't I become this? Why don't I do that? And then maybe meet my match. Yeah. And we can do it together. It's almost like that, you know, and I feel sometimes as women, we're selling ourselves short because what I say to women in 40s, 30s, 50s, even 60s these days, I'm like, you're only as old as you feel. Mm, oh, for sure. People don't age now. It's like everyone's been put in a deep freezer for <laughs> and no one ages. Totally. I know. I know. So, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I came home and my mom's like 71, I think. She was like, do I look different? I'm like, stop going to Dr. Chili Curry, mom. You literally <laughs> look like my sister. Like, but actually... Can I make an appointment for when I'm here? Because you look great. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, that's the truth, right? You know, so, and it's all about how we feel. And I think there's a guy for everyone. And also, I think we've got to be willing to bend. Yeah. As much as you know yeah. what you want. You know, like my friend, she's dating, but she always says, oh, I don't want to date any man that's 50. And I'm like, I've seen some men that are 60 even that are really hot. You know what I mean? So yeah, it doesn't really, you know, you have to be flexible with age because then you're doing the same thing that men do to women. Yeah. I think the most important thing mm -hmm. is to listen to how you feel. And that's mm -hmm. why this meditation, the journaling, the like the movement is like, okay, I don't know, take your best friend. Take like your favorite family member. How do you feel after a workout? I mean, you want someone to like be spiraling you up, right? Mm -hmm. So follow that feeling, not necessarily like the car they drive, the job they say they want. And I have to reprogram myself, especially after living in New York, where it was just so cutthroat. But yeah, I'm really trying to focus on when do I feel most like myself? You know, mm -hmm. when do I feel like I can be like, wear Converse and do my thing and then wear high heels the next day and then have my ups and downs and that I don't feel like too much. So I need to just for anyone who's listening, it's like, it's the feeling that we're chasing. And it's not only in the men that we date or the women that you date, it's the job that you take. It's the company that you keep. It's the workouts that you do. It's like, where do you feel most alive? Go towards those things. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you on that because a lot of people, you know, that's what I do with my life now. I'm living a joyful life. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing. You don't know how long you're going to be here. That's true. We just don't know. So I think the most important thing is also to fill those voids. So what I do is I'm not in a relationship either, but what I do is I fill the void with friends and family and 
love and I'm, you know, I, I still express love in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm happy to be honest. I'm not even dating because it's like, sometimes I'm like, I'm happy anyway. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm so yeah. fulfilled in my life. I mean, between work and friends and family, I'm fine, you know? So, and it took a while to get to that stage because at first I would think, oh, maybe I should be dating. Maybe I'm not doing this. Oh, time's going to go past. And now I'm more in that place where I'm just okay with it. Mm-hmm. And it's usually when you're there that something shows up. <laughs> yeah. Because you're yeah. not fucking in. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. So, so we've talked about dating. We've talked about you know, about vulnerability and about how your approaches with companies. Now, if someone in their life, for example, was going through a really difficult time in their life, or maybe it's they're trying to make career decisions, or they're trying to think, how do I, going back to reinventing myself or reframe, could you give me a step-by-step approach they should take? So like you could say, start journaling, then do this. Yeah, I mean, I would say first step is, is just, I would just like develop a morning practice. I think that's the first part. And I really think that meditation needs to be a part of it. Um, meditation, journaling, you know, some sort of movement practice, if, even if it's walk, it's, you know, dancing. Because I think all the answers are, not I think, I know all the answers are already within you and with already and within me. And so it's like excavation. And I think the most important part that I haven't mentioned is, is surround yourself with a bunch of people who are supporting your highest self. You know, people know none of those naysayers, only people who say you shine brighter, be bigger, be louder. We need you to be the most unique version of you. Those are the people that need you need to be surrounding yourself with and have them support you, encourage you, keep you accountable. I've always found that coaches are always helpful. I don't always have a coach, but especially when I need, you know, I need a lot of extra help. Also, here's another really good tip that I found. It's like, okay, say for example, I want to get a handle on like I don't know. I'm like eating a bunch of crap at night and it doesn't make me feel good. All right. Well, or my dating life, right? You know, I I can't really like, I'm not just dating. I'm not getting out there. What I like to do is like totally shift the focus away from dating, eating and switch it to like finances or something Mm -hmm. and say like, I'm going to start saving $500 a month more or $50 a month. So you go to another area of your life where you can really level it up and start building mastery and strength in that area. And then the rest of the areas have to come up to meet it. It's just a universal law. So I think that that's great. Like really, you know, or career, you know, I want to get a new job and do this. It just starts to exercise your like self-confidence muscle, which you need in some of the areas that are tougher to crack, like love or like health and fitness or food, et cetera. So you basically work on another area of your life that you can work on and yeah. then return that feeds into yeah. the other part. It has, it's like you can, there's a transference. So you can like transfer 
like success. And so those levels have to automatically like, cause you're coming a bit better person or a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is that you're building trust in yourself and you're building integrity, developing more integrity. And I think that's important. Like, yeah. Also you can like have a writing practice, you know, say you're going to do your morning practice every morning or just doing the things that you say that you're going to do and proving to yourself that you can trust yourself. It's really so important. Part is discipline. Discipline. Yeah. It's, it's self-love, you know? Yeah. And another thing I want to talk about, and this goes into the career part of it more, is the imposter syndrome. Oh, A lot yeah. of women tend to have the imposter syndrome, you know, where yeah. they feel like, even though they've achieved so much and they're very well accomplished, they just feel like, they belittle themselves and hide in this shell. And they feel like, I can't say that to people. I I feel, you know, like I'm an imposter. I'm not real. Or sometimes I've also found it happens with people that have built their career in a way where they've never been in like one company for a long time or one. So they've kind of built them their own kind of career themselves, either being self-employed or doing their own thing. And they feel like they, they're not good enough because they feel like when they go to meetings and people say, where have you worked? They're like, oh, I haven't worked for a big corporation. I'm not, you know, yeah. I have a long career in one company. How would you tell people, how would you, would someone look at reframing that? I would say it's people will reflect back to you what you feel about yourself. So I listen, it's so powerful. It's like self-love and more self-love. It's like, if you believe that you are worthy, if you believe that you are a valuable employee, a team member, yeah, say you're learning, but don't discredit yourself that you got hired for a reason. But again, if you feel like crap and small and like you have nothing to offer, that is an energy that can't be hidden. You can't hide that. People will reflect that back to you and they will treat you like you are telling them to treat you. Yeah. And that's a very important point you made. People will reflect to you how you feel about yourself. Yeah. But the issue is a lot of people don't realize it's coming from them. Yeah. So they keep on getting these situations all the time. And they're like, everywhere I work, my boss, I'm always having issues with my boss. Yeah. But it all has to do with how they feel about themselves. So that's really really true. And and I think, and this is very deep internal spiritual work. Like I was just talking to my dad and today it's like, you know, I'm ready to really level up with like the home that I'm going to have and the people around me. But honestly, I've just gotten to a place to enter where energetically I am ready for this success. Mm-hmm. I think I'm deserving of it. I'm willing to work hard for it. I'm willing to accept the love my spiritual match is going to give me because I give it to myself. Mm -hmm. And before I was not, I did not truly believe that I was worthy. Yeah. That's important because I think we all go through that where we think we believe it, but we don't truly believe Mm -hmm. it because we end up acting the same way we always acted. And it takes you believing 100% yourself and loving yourself. And as you said, it's a universal law, you know, as within, so without. That's right. If within changes, without you change. I mean, very inspirational. I mean, what I find, you know, I read your story and I'm just 
in awe of how you just reframed, repackaged, turned yourself into this. I mean, which you are, not that you turned yourself, you just became your true authentic yeah. self and how you put it all together and became this person that inspires uh, other people. Because even though I do a podcast, I have difficulty with that. I'm going to be really <laughs> honest with you. And, you know, I've struggled with that every day. Yeah. You know, I struggle with that every day. So I am really in awe of what you've done. And I know you're going places. And this is just the beginning of an amazing journey. And I mean, I've loved having you on the show. But I want people to know where they can find you. Oh, yeah, please do. So if you listen to me today, please reach out to me on Instagram. It's sort of the one-stop shop for everything. Aubrey, bringing you self-love with all the realness. Um, it's A-U-B-R-E-E dot Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. And from there, there's a link to my website. DM me if you heard me on the show. I'd love to connect with you, really. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. Yeah, and you can find her at AubreyNichols.com as well. It's A-U-B-R-E-E. N-I-C-H-O-L-S dot com. If you want to get in touch with Aubrey, maybe for some coaching or you want to bring her into your office to come and talk to you guys, or you just want to connect with her on Instagram, you can slide her a DM. I'm sure she'll be, she'll give you an answer. Aubrey, thank you very much for coming on Beauty and the Bee. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.